Welcome everyone to Andy Here's the 80s, the show where we try and find the absolute best albums from the 1980s. Here in season two, we examine the work of a different band or artist each episode. And this week, we are taking a listen to Shaka Khan. Joining me as always is my co-host, Aaron Keck. How are you, Aaron? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Uh, you know, just like Luther last episode, Shaka Khan's one of those artists that I knew of, certainly, but had never really sat down and listened to. Uh, what What's your history, if any, with Shaka Khan? Uh, similar along the same along the same lines as Luther Vandross. Like there are a few Shaka Khan songs that I'm familiar with. Uh, Through the Fire is definitely the the one. And we talked about this last time with Luther Vandross. That there's one Luther Vandross song that I think of as being the Luther Vandross song, which is here and now with Shaka Khan. Like my mm-hmm quintessential Shaka Khan song is through the fire. So that's what I always kind of go back to. And it was fun to listen to all of these albums together because while through the fire is a classic Shaka Khan song and, you know, the title of her autobiography and all that, uh, it's also mm-hmm. not necessarily a, a stereotypical Shaka Khan song. Like uh, listening to the entire oeuvre from the 1980s, like this is definitely an atypical uh, Shaka Khan song, so I was I was appreciative of being able to get into it. And between the two, uh, between Luther Vandross and Shaka Khan, like I I feel the same way about both of them, which is that they their their content was pretty consistent throughout the decade. But I think I like Shaka Khan mm-hmm. better. She's just more fun. I think that's I think I might be in the same boat. I, I think that's true. Both very consistent, but yeah, Shaka definitely is a little more fun. And certainly that's part of her style. I mean, it's a, a more danceable music. There are like for you said, sure. Through the Fire is kind of a ballad which is an atypical song for her. You know, there aren't many ballads across all these albums. Uh whereas, you know, Luther had three or four probably on each on each album. But I mean, Luther had how many songs did he have on each album? Ten. He had like nine <laughs> yeah, ballads maybe, maybe on each album. Maybe more than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are definitely, you know, yeah, there are definitely uh, huge hits that Shaka Khan has had, both as a solo artist and with the band Rufus in the 70s. Uh, but as is uh, my MO this season, I wanted to dig deep and really get kind of the whole story. And to do that, like you mentioned, she wrote an autobiography called Shaka Through the Fire in 2003. Uh, it was it was a pretty interesting account of her life, very much in her own voice, which was fun. Uh, it's quick and entertaining, uh, and it's definitely worth checking out. But that being said, you will not get much insight into her creative process in this book. Uh, it's I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say that a larger portion of this book is devoted to a, a specific trip to White Castle than all of the albums we heard this week combined. <laughs> Well, okay, so tell tell us about the specific trip to White Castle because there are there are some trips to White Castle that are worth a paragraph, uh, a chapter and a half of uh, of discussion. <laughs> well, it was it was around her fiftieth birthday, and she was not she just wanted to go home, but all of the rest of her band really wanted to go to White Castle, and so she went in there with them, wanted some fish sandwiches, <laughs> ended up the people in White Castle freaked out because Shaka Khan came to their White Castle, and then somebody ate one of her fish sandwiches before she could get it (laughs) that's basically the story (laughs) all right all right so not not every single trip to white castle is worth a chapter and a half but (laughs) i know it's it probably you know it's more recent to when this was published so maybe she had to fill out like a couple more chapters of the book and was like well you know i went to white castle the other day (laughs) 
Look, Shaka, we asked for 35,000 words. You've given us 33,294. <laughs> yeah. She just has it, like, looks over to a menu on her desk and says, I've got it. Just wait. <laughs> there, when it gets to the part where she's going over some of these 80s albums, there's literally, she'll there's a couple of them where she'll give a sentence and then say next and then on to the next one in the book. It's pretty funny. Nice. I like it. She's definitely got a sense of what she's expected to write about and what she wants to write about, which I appreciate. Yeah, totally. It is fun to read it because, I mean, there's no, you can't really pretend it's anybody but her writing it because <laughs> just yeah. the things, the tangents she goes off on are often pretty entertaining. As always, we got to start at the beginning. Uh, Yvette Marie Stevens, born in 1953 in Chicago. She had four siblings, one of which was also a singer. Her sister Yvonne, who would also later perform under the name Takaboom. Uh, Shaka credits her father and grandfather for interesting, or getting her siblings and her interested in the music that inspired her. Her parents split pretty early in their life, but uh, she wouldn't hear from her father for many years and would, would not reconnect with him until she was a teenager, at which point she also started frequenting the nearby Afro Arts Center in Chicago, where she'd practice performing and one day meet Ababa of the Yoruba people, which would give her a Yoruba name, which she gives the full description of in the book here. So this full name that she's given and what it means. Shaka, woman of fire. Adune, loves to touch. Adufe, someone others love to touch. Yemoja, mothers of waters. Hodari, woman of nature. And Karifi, strength. That's her full Yoruba name as given to her as a 13-year-old. Uh, she later would get married to her sweetheart, uh, Hassan Khan, and that while that marriage wouldn't last for more than a few years, she did keep the last name, and that's how Shaka Khan, the name, is born. So, wait, what was her name before? I didn't realize Khan was her married name. Yeah, uh, her she was born Yvette Marie Stevens, and then... Right. I thought Shaka Khan was what the, the Baba gave her. No, yeah, the Khan actually comes from her first marriage. Uh, in she was seventeen right. in nineteen seventy. Boyfriend Hassan Khan, yeah, yeah. I thought that was I interesting because yeah, I wasn't sure what the origin of the name was either. But but then uh, in nineteen seventy two, she became friends with a group of local musicians performing under the name Ask Rufus, which they would later shorten to simply Rufus. And their their singer at the time, Paulette McWilliams, would leave the band, suggesting her friend Shaka, uh, and even trained her as a replacement. And they would, that would become really a launch pad for success for Shaka. They recorded and released their first album in 1973, which is also around the same time she had her daughter, Malini. Uh, and this is the first time she'd collaborate with some of the people that she would continue to collaborate with throughout her career, such as Stevie Wonder, Ashford and Simpson. And their second album, Rags to Rufus, featured the Stevie Wonder pen, Tell Me Something Good, which of course became a huge hit. It reached both number nice. three uh, on the pop and R&B charts. Tell me something good.
Yeah, we're talking about her in the context of the 80s, but she had quite the mm-hmm. decade in the 70s, too. Like, there was that the period, right? Was that end of, end of the 60s, early 70s, when she was very briefly involved with the Black Panthers, and by the end of the decade, not only was she a big recording star, but she was already, like, moving into disco. So to start the decade in the Black Panthers and to end it as one of the biggest disco stars in the country like that's a that's a life well lived i think yeah totally yeah i mean yeah her life in chicago was kind of like that i mean between high school and college you know she's it's it's a tumultuous time to be in the city for uh, for anybody but especially a person of color and so then to get involved with the black panthers and to then kind of sidestep that a little bit as it got a little hairy and then move into music and become pretty immediately successful is pretty remarkable but i think uh, tell me something good is like one of those uh like those early madonna songs where i don't even realize initially where that it was her doing that but then uh, of course if it all fits in with her style now when you think about it yeah exactly and fits in with stevie's wonder style i mean it, sound, it totally sounds like it could have been a stevie wonder song that he kept for himself right yeah, I like I I'd not thought about or connected as again, I I don't know did not know very much about Shaka Khan or her career going into this. So the the connection with Rufus and the connection with that song like that was that was a that was a new thing for me. Like I associate that song with the band, but I don't associate any particular person with mm-hmm. the band. So it's like, oh, okay, that's that's how it all started. I like it. Yeah, and that was that was kind of the way the band was. I mean, they were they were known as you know first Ask Rufus and then Rufus, and then they crossed over with that song hitting the pop and R and B charts, uh, and that was notable for not the time not just for crossing over, but the fact that the band contained both black and white musicians was something that was notable at the time. And Shock would even mention in interviews that you know a band could make the same songs, and if they're a white group, it's called a rock song, and if they're a black group, it's called an R and B song, which I think yeah. is fair. Uh, the R&B charts in general were even just straight up called the black music charts before they were called the R&B charts. So there's definitely still that, like radio segregation happening. Yeah. And that continues through the 80s. Does it continue into the 90s or or not? Because it, it, it the changeover happened shockingly late. Uh, I was thinking about yeah. that in the context of Luther Vandross, like the fact that it was called the black music charts is like, good Lord, that was not that long ago. Uh, yeah. By, by the time that song came out, I believe they were called the R and B charts. So I think it was something sometime in the seventies, but still that's still pretty late. And Shaka herself, you know, she always had varied taste in music too. She loved jazz. She loves classic rock, like the Beatles and Zeppelin. Uh, and Rufus and Shock in general were mostly just interested in making great music, regardless of what people thought they should sound like. And I think that was one of their strengths. Uh, but she, after she divorced uh, Hassan, after a few years, she moved to L.A. Uh, Rufus, of course, their third album, Rufus Eyes, in 74, uh, which leads them to open for Marvin Gaye on his tour and then the Rolling Stones on theirs. Uh, and their fourth album in 75 was the first one to be billed now as Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. So she's beginning to take more of the spotlight here as they kind of gain more and more popularity. And by the time they do their fifth album in 77, which they called Ask Rufus, the cover is just a picture of Shaka Khan on the front with nobody else. Now, is that something that the band was totally fine with? 
uh, by this point, I think there's starting to be a little tension. Uh, you know, they were a band, and then now as this as this front woman is kind of becoming the the only thing people identify with the band, it st- it did start to create some tension there. But I think people they tried to hold it together as long as possible, which we'll kind of see as we get into the eighties. Um, but before that, uh, there, th- that one, uh, Ask Rufus had the single At Midnight, which is a great song, and that became their first platinum record, actually. January of 78, they put out their sixth album, Street Player. But then also in October of 78 is Shaka's first solo album, simply simply titled Shaka. And so now she's basically testing the waters to see what an album would sound like without the band. You know, if if she could call all the shots, what kind of album would she make? And that spawns the hit single, I'm Every Woman, which was written by Mm -hmm. Nashford and Simpson for her. I would say that album in general kind of leans a little more disco than Rufus sounds. Uh, it has a couple ballads on it as well. It's it is pretty good, but it's a, it is a little down the middle for a you know for a Shaka album. Yeah, and it's a it's a sound that she's going to stick with for I think I think the first couple of albums, right? And like there's a there's a point at which she starts mm-hmm. to to branch out from disco into now I'm developing my own sound. Like the distinctly Shaka Count sound is going to come in I think in the mid 80s. But the first couple of songs that we'll talk the first couple of albums that we'll talk about are are definitely disco albums of that disco period, right? The late 70s, early 80s and this is mm-hmm. and, and this is definitely one of those. Yeah. And so right after that, she has her second child, Damien, right before they record another album with Rufus called Master Jam in 79, before she would release her second solo album in 1980, the first one we're going to dig into here, and that is Naughty. I'm going to play the opening track, another Ashford and Simpson joint, Clouds, and we will discuss the album.
I think that one is a fantastic opening song, and it ended up being one of my favorites on the whole album. What did you think? Uh, I agree, and this this song ended up being one of my favorites, just period. Um, it's, it's difficult when you're when you're digging into an artist that you're not really super familiar with, and they hit you with a really mm-hmm. good song up top. You don't want to necessarily. <laughs> put it down on your list is like okay yeah this will be one of my top five by the end of it because you want to have some room to grow but yeah i kept coming back to it and it's like yeah this this is a fantastic song and it's it's the beginning of what turns out to be what i would describe as kind of a generic disco album like it is definitely the 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 sound of 1980 uh, but it's a really good <laughs> disco album right like there there's a there's a high yeah. level of skill going into this Totally. And I think this one, uh, you know, for the first, for Shaka's first five albums, I actually got a little box set that has all of them, including her, her uh, 78 debut. And I think, compa- which I was happy with in, res- in retrospect, because I could compare Naughty to this and see that uh, Naughty really does kind of step up the production even further. I think it's a lot bigger and dancier than even the, the one before this was. And yeah, I, it was kind of the same thing you did where I heard clouds and I was like, man, this is off to a really good start. <laughs> I don't want to necessarily mark it down <laughs> yet, but I love the song. I think a couple other ones I love. Um, there's a great transition between uh, Nothing's Gonna Take You Away and So Naughty. Anytime two songs blend into one another like that, is, I'm always a sucker for there's a few good ones on this album. Um, our loves, our loves in danger is the one that stands out for me. Yeah. The, yeah. There's really no, there's no song on here that I ever was like waiting to end, you know? This, yes. And, and yeah. one of the swans towards the end, um, uh, Papillon, hot butterfly. That one was actually originally recorded by a group called bionic boogie, put together by songwriter, Greg diamond. Uh, where he had Luther Vandross on lead vocals for that. So this is actually a a re-recording of something Luther did a couple years ago. And then uh, nice in that same kind of boat, yeah, she uh, she brings in Luther and uh, Sissy Houston and Whitney Houston all are doing backup vocals all over this album. The one thing that I will say, and we'll, we'll get to uh, I Feel For You, which is her uh, fourth mm-hmm. album. 
later on, and we'll talk specifically about Through the Fire, which is still ends up being one of my favorite Chaka Khan songs. That's uh, that's a slower ballad, which I really like. Generally speaking, whenever she does a slower ballad, I'm not as big a fan. Like Papillon, I think, is my least favorite song on this album just because it's slow and I wanted to get back to the fun dance stuff, which is interesting because I think mm-hmm. Papillon ends up being the if not the biggest hit, certainly one of the biggest hits on this album, right? Yeah, it was a pretty big single from this one. And I think Clouds was as well. Yeah, I just wanted to get back to Clouds. <laughs> yeah, I know. Clouds is so good. Uh, but she would follow up this album with her third in the in April of 81, uh, What You Gonna Do For Me. Uh, I'll play a little bit of the title track, and then we will come back to discuss that album. Just in keeping with the fact that she names all of her albums after herself, can we can we like really over uh, enunciate that when we talk about this album? Like, what Cha gonna do for me? Yeah, yes. What what Cha apostrophe gonna do for me? That's the <laughs> official title of the album, which I do love. I think this is another fun one too. I think it's a little. It starts to get away from the disco a little bit. I mean, you know, not for any better or worse, but I think stylistically it's a little less disco, but it's still very fun and and upbeat. She's starting to move into new things with this one. I still think of this as kind of a a more kind of standard disco album. Um, Certainly the world Mm -hmm. is moving away from disco at this point because it's 1981. I did not like this album nearly as much, though, as I like Naughty. I thought, like, here are the two disco albums. Naughty is the good one. What's I going to do for me is the the bad one. And there's just a there's a couple of songs on this that I I mean, and you said it with with Naughty. There are a couple of songs on this that I wanted to end. And uh, and it kind of starts out that way. Right. Because you get this cover of We Can Work It Out to to open the mm-hmm. album that was just i don't know I don't, I don't know why they did that i was gonna ask what you thought I don't know about why that the, cover exists uh, obviously yeah <laughs> we can work it out obviously a beatles song one of the stranger covers that she does i think throughout her career yeah and I'm okay with strange covers. Like I'm okay with doing a cover of a song. Like the 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 covers that are just just really do not have to exist are the ones where you cover a song and you do it exactly the same way that the original artist did. Like with this, Shaka Khan's going to yeah. do We Can Work It Out, but she's doing it completely different from the way the Beatles did. 
But the whole time I was listening to it, it's like, A, I want to just go back and hear the, the Beatles version now. B, I want to go back to the previous album and just listen to Clouds again because I'm still stuck on that song that we started <laughs> out with. That's true. And uh, her producer for this kind of becomes her right-hand man. Uh, producer R.F. Martin uh, was an incredibly prolific producer, producer artists such as Bee Gees, Hall and Oates, Anita Baker, even Willie Nelson, Nora Jones, uh, for the last 50 years even. Uh, and so he was kind of, her, he and her together would produce almost all of her albums. And so they are kind of a team working out the sounds together, right? So I think they're both kind of playing around with different things on here. Uh, there's definitely overt nods to her jazz influence on like uh, the melody still lingers on, which has Herbie Hancock and Dizzy Gillespie playing on. It is it is more eclectic than than naughty for sure. Yeah, I do appreciate. We talked about this with the Luther Vandross too, and like just the extent to which she is both able and willing, and also just super excited about bringing in all of these fantastic artists to work with her. Herbie Hancock, Herbie Hancock, Dizzy Gillespie. Obviously, no one's going to know how mm. great Whitney Houston's going to turn out to be in 1980 when she's. 16 years old but bringing in Whitney Houston right. Luther Vandross is coming in Sissy Houston like there's a long list of people who are coming in to work with Shaka Khan on this so you can you know how big she already is and the fact that she's she is able to see just like how how much all of these great people can help uh make the album that much better I, I like it yeah totally it, it speaks you know to her her ear as a musician anyway, right? That that she can mm -hmm. pick out all this talent and assemble it uh, on this record or on, on all of the records really. Uh, but then October of 81, Rufus released their 10th album, Camouflage, which Shaka would return for, uh, but would not be in the, in the studio with him at the same time. So she had just added vocals after the fact. They had released a, their ninth album, Party to Your Broke, without her. Uh, and then in January of 82, Shaka released an album of jazz standards called Echoes of an Era with musicians Joe Henderson, Freddie Hubbard, Chick Corea, Stanley Clark, and Lenny White, uh, which kind of didn't really make any noise. And so she was ready to get back in the studio in November of 82, releases her self-titled fourth album with R.F. Martin producing again. I'm going to play a song that actually won her her first solo Grammy. This is uh, Bebop Medley, and then we'll talk about the album.
glad you picked this particular song to highlight because this one kind of encapsulates the it's a very different song even in the context of the album but it kind of encapsulates everything that i feel about the album which is it's very jazzy uh it's very it's very well done um and you know this particular song not only uh gets her awards but also gets her acclaim from just high level jazz vocalists and and really kind of launches her up into the stratosphere in terms of just her reputation as a vocalist and i don't like it because i don't like jazz <laughs> like i started listening to this album it's like okay this is this is shaka khan going through her jazz phase I'll get through this. Everything's going to be totally fine. It's a good album, but it's just, it's jazzy. And some people, some people will use that as high praise. And then there's me. Yeah. It's funny. Cause like I did, I listened to a few songs from echoes of an era just to check it out. It is, it's a very straightforward, you know, jazz album. Uh, and then, so mm-hmm. bebop medley is a little bit of that, taking that jazz influence and making it more modern or at least modern for the time, which is interesting. But I think in general, this one has a lot of like big swings on it. There's like Best in the West, which is kind of like a country funk song. Uh, Slow Dancing, the duet with Rick James is like kind of a weird minor key duet, which is kind of funky. Uh, And then one of the covers she does on this is Got to Be There, which was from Michael Jackson's first album from 71 when he was 14. So, I mean, right away, there's like a it's very all over the place, I feel like. Yeah. Is Best in the West a country funk hybrid or is it a funk song that starts out with a whip crack and a couple of twangy banjo notes? Because that's what I got out of that. Like, <laughs> I got the country vibe in the yeah, first certainly... 10 seconds and then, all right, it's it's just straight up funk from there on out. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> but the the whip cracks, it stays with you when you hear it, I think. It kind of does, yeah. <laughs> the one thing that I strangely like kind of surprisingly did really like was the song uh, Twisted which is kind of a weird like 80s mm-hmm. rock ballad that kind of bizarrely became one of my favorites on it she's going to have a couple of good kind of rockier songs there's one is it so close on on destiny that's a that's a rockier song that uh that mm-hmm. I that stood out for me on that particular album that I really liked. So she doesn't she doesn't go into rock very often, but when she does, she does it good. Yeah, I think that's the thing. She she's good at I mean, she's a great musician, obviously. So I mean, she can take any style right. and kind of make it her own. I I think that's that's one thing I've started to notice by this point is that I think she has the ability not necessarily to conform to the style of the time, but to almost make the style conform to her style. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. So then uh, August of 83, she reunites with Rufus one last time to record a live album, Stompin' at the Savoy, along with four studio tracks that were also included on there. Uh, But before long, she's back in the studio of her own recording her fifth solo album, I Feel For You, released in October of 84. I'm going to go ahead and play the title track, and then we'll discuss the album. Shaka Khan, let me rock it, let me rock Shaka Khan. Let me rock it, cause I want to do Shaka Khan. Let me rock it, let me rock Shaka Khan. Let me rock it, cause I feel for you. Shaka Khan, let me tell you what I want to do.
So that's uh, that's Melly Mel of the Furious Five with the intro and the rap verse. Stevie Wonder appears on the harmonica. And Shaka in her book describes this song as her ball and chain. This is the one that if she could stop performing any song, it would be this one. <laughs> uh, fair. Um, I really like this song, but I, I, I totally get it. Because as soon as this song is out, then that just that's going to define you right because as soon as the song right. is out like you're wherever you go you're going to be trailed forever by shaka khan shaka khan shaka 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 khan <laughs> yeah exactly do not go up on to shaka in the street and yell shaka shaka khan let me rock you shaka khan because it's been done <laughs> and she hates it or or do because how many chances are you going to get <laughs> i guess look if that's going to be your shot then i guess take it but <laughs> There are ways that maybe she would prefer you interact with her. Yeah. Or maybe like interact with her normally, but then in the back of your mind, just be thinking at the whole time. And <laughs> yeah, which I assume is how yeah, most people in... interact. Like most, most strangers like encountering Shaka Khan on the street. That's, that's probably roughly how they're doing it. Yeah. At least one person in that white castle had to have said Shaka Khan like that. <laughs> <laughs> Although if she didn't write about it in the autobiography, then maybe it, maybe that was the only time that she's been in White Castle that someone didn't say Shaka Shaka Khan, and that's why she ended up having maybe, to write yeah. about it for a chapter. And it's like, this is an amazing moment in my life where I finally walked into a room full of strangers, <laughs> and I was recognized, and no one shouted Shaka Khan at me. Like, that, that Venn diagram does not happen very often. Yeah, that's true. It's certain, that would make it memorable, for sure. Uh, but this uh, this is a cover of a print song from his '79 uh, self-titled second album. Uh, Shaka actually heard her sister listening to that album over the phone one day and never forgot the song. So when it came time to make this album, she's like, "You know what I really want to do is that song." Awesome. And then uh, we mentioned "Through the Fire," of course, is uh, one of the ballads on this record. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, with Luther last week, and again this week. This is uh, would provide Kanye West with another one of his early samples for a single uh, Through the Wire and is a great song in its own right. Both, both songs are great.
unbreakable. What you thought they call me, Mr. Glass? Look back on my life like the ghost of Christmas past. Uh -huh. Toys R Us where I used to spend that Christmas cash. And I still won't grow up. I'm a grown-ass kid. Swear I should be locked up for stupid shit that I did. But I'm a champion, so I turn tragedy uh -huh. to triumph. Yeah. Make music that's fire. Slip yeah. my soul through the wire. Woo. You know what I'm saying? When the doctor told me I had a, um, I was gonna have to have a plate in my chin. I said, dog, don't you realize I'll never make it on a plane now? It's bad enough I got all this jewelry on. She can't be serious, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll give her a pass for, for boosting Kanye. Uh, and this would become her first uh, and only solo platinum record. So this was, the, the song was huge. You know, we make fun of it, but it was the one everybody heard at that, at that point and for years after. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I do not make fun of this song at all. I think this is I think it's a fantastic <laughs> song. Um, oh wait, are we talking about Through the Fire or are we talking about I Feel for You? Because I, I will make fun of I Feel for, for uh, You. Yeah, I feel for you. Yeah, I, no, nothing to make fun of. Okay, for, uh, yeah, 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 totally. And I think the album in general, it, it's it's a still it's certainly a little bit of a time, maybe more so than some of the earlier ones. But I think it's still she is still making that sound work for her rather than the other way around. Mm. and and very much a hybrid like we've, we've already moved past mm -hmm. like the first couple of albums were i think really just straight up disco and maybe branching out from that on a couple of songs by the time we get to this album you're right it's very 1980s but it's 80s funk it's 80s pop it's 80s dance it's 80s jazz and it's all like it's an it's an 80s fusion album you can tell what decade it was made in but it doesn't fit into any particular genre it fits into all of them really well yeah definitely and so you know it it, it definitely probably earns its place as her best selling but i don't know if it's my favorite necessarily yeah i agree i agree that it's not your favorite <laughs> But uh, so at this point, uh, before she heads back to the studio, she uh, moves out to New York to get a change of scenery. Uh, and then she hits this uh, the recording studio to record her sixth solo album, Destiny, which would release in June of 86. Uh, let's hear a little bit of one of the singles from it. This is Earth to Mickey. Long distance company recently. 
I think uh, this song is kind of a microcosm of the album for me because I think this is sort of where she loses the plot a little bit. It's a little all over the place. It's a little more inconsistent. Uh, it still does take some very big swings, but is is not my favorite overall. That's interesting because I, I like I'm not a huge fan of this particular song. Uh, but this stands out to me as one of the best of her albums. And I think part of the reason is that this is like we've talked about where each of these albums kind of fits uh, in terms of genre. Like this is a disco album. This is a jazzier album. This is an 80s fusion fusion album. I, I listen to Destiny and this is the one and only album that I listen to and I think this is a Shaka Khan album. Like this is what I associate mm. with the Shaka Khan sound more than all of the others. With all of the other albums, I can tell what the influences are. This is hers. This is her sound in a way that I don't quite get from all of the other albums. And there are songs, like there's no particular song on this album that super stands out for me, but just as a piece, I mm -hmm. think it's great because I think it comes closer to what she's been working towards this whole time than anything else that we've heard in 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 the 80s at least for the, the albums that we're listening to yeah i think that it, it makes sense that you say that because even in the book the you know the couple sentences she gives this album she's she was disappointed that it didn't perform as well because it was kind of more of her taking a little more control so she was branching mm -hmm. into more of whatever that she had more direction in this one which uh, I think worked for and against her, I think, because this is the first time, too, that uh, R.F. Martin shares production credits with a few other people. So I think there's a little bit of a scattershot sound to me in that it has multiple producers like that. But it definitely, yeah. I, I understand where you're coming from, that she that this is more of Shaka's voice than perhaps we heard before. It is definitely a testament to the strength of a really, really uh, popular single, because I Feel For You mm -hmm. has two huge singles. It's got Through the Fire and it's got I Feel For You, and both of those are just iconic Shaka Khan songs. And I think that drives the success of the album. This particular album, Destiny, I think it's more of a just classic Shaka Khan album, but there is no huge hit on the album the way that there's two on the one that came before, and that's going to that's gonna knock down sales. Yeah. And she, again, still knows the right people to collaborate with here. I mean, on the one we played, the rap was performed by Reggie Griffin, who, believe it or not, is not known for his flow, but is actually a very talented multi-instrumentalist and producer who was part of the group Manchild, which launched uh, Babyface's career. And he himself would go on to grow the genre of techno and even coined that term in the, in the 80s. Uh, and then on Watching the World, you've got Phil Collins guesting on drums. So still... People are coming out for this record still. Yeah. Oh, you can tell it's Phil Collins, can't you? <laughs> yeah, you definitely can. I also, I appreciate the uh, lack of subtlety on the song Tight Fit, though it's still not my favorite. <laughs> she could have been talking about anything. <laughs> yeah. But but after the success of uh, I Feel For You, Destiny was a bit of a disappointment commercially. Uh, not including Echoes of an Era, this was her lowest charting solo album to that point. And I, I think this made her refocus a little bit. She moved on entirely from R.F. Martin at this point. Uh, meets up with uh, Russ Teitelman, who had collaborated with her on a number of some of her other albums. Uh, and 
the man who initially recorded what became her biggest hit on that last album, uh, she gets together with Prince to go in the studio working on her next album. Uh, this would be the final one we discussed for this one, her seventh album. This is just titled CK, released in November of 88. Uh, I'm going to play a little bit of The End of a Love Affair, and then we will discuss the record. So I walk a little too fast And I drive a little too fast And I'm reckless, it's true But what else? Can you do at the end of a love affair? So I talk a little too much And I laugh a little too much And my voice is too loud when I'm out in a crowd So that people are apt to stare Do they know, do they care That it's only That I'm lonely So here's uh, her obvious jazz influence coming back again, which I guess uh, I'm probably enjoying more than you at this point. I have uh, a yes, but um, <laughs> I, I do have notes on this particular song. It's like this is this is good. Like it's very jazzy, so mm-hmm. it's not necessarily up my alley. But this is a really good song, and again, it's it's a testament to. Shaka Khan as a performer and as a vocalist that like she can do a, a Billie Holiday kind of song and just and just knock it out of the park like this. Not very many people can. Yeah, and this one was actually originally recorded by Billie Holiday, but then I think Shaka turns it into one of her own best ballads, if not best songs in general. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, she'll she'll turn it into one of her own. But I will say, I did not know that that was a Billie Holiday song, and I wrote <laughs> Billie Holiday down in my notes. So I don't know if she turned it into one of her own, her own, but True, she, she did yeah. it well. It's less transformed than some of her other covers, but I think it's still uh, yeah, it's a testament to her knowing. Like Shaka Khan loves a deep cut because all the covers she does mm-hmm. are not necessarily obvious songs, like. Uh, well, maybe except for the very first one on this album, because Sign Sealed Delivered is a big Stevie Wonder I was going to say, but, right? Uh, yeah. But uh, for every other one, I mean, even this one, End of a Love Affair, was a Billie Holiday song that was only on, like, certain pressings of this one Billie Holiday album that you had to get from whatever region it was from. So, like, it's... And then, I mean, even the I'll Fear For You is not released as a single by Prince. It was the second-to-last song on his second album. So, I mean, Chaka loves to dig deep and find these songs that she can almost not necessarily pluck from obscurity, but, but turn into something that people aren't going to identify as a cover. 
those are what you want a cover to be. Those are the, like when you find a song that's a great song that just for whatever reason hasn't taken off or didn't get the the play that it should have gotten in the first place. Like take that song and cover that. That's what that's what people ought to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think in general I I like this album a lot. I think it is a little more jazzy, which I lean towards, which I like. Uh, it's it feels more focused to me than Destiny did. Uh, and I think you feel you feel Prince's presence. You feel uh, Miles Davis is on a couple of the songs here. Uh, so I, I really like this one. I thought it was fun. You and I are going to have different album rankings. I know it's funny. I, I, some some things we've certainly overlapped on already. I can t- I can tell you, but there it is. There's always a couple that we <laughs> are polar opposites on. Seems like you, for sure, yeah. Well, you're you're not alone in your sentiments because uh, CK unfortunately sold even less than Destiny did, and she was starting to kind of fall out of favor commercially at this point. Uh, in the '90s, she would release uh, two more albums, including "Come to My House," which she produced with Prince on his label. Uh, she won two more Grammys, released two albums from the 2000s, including 2007's "Funk This," which actually did serve as a bit of a comeback. She won two Grammys for that album, mm-hmm. and it was her best-selling since "I Feel for You." And she's still going strong, too. I mean, she released a short album of new material in 2019 called Hello Happiness. And in March of 2020, released a live album called Homecoming, which she performed in Chicago. So, I mean, she's still going strong. There's no stop and shock at this point. Although it's probably good timing to release a live album in March of 2020, like right before coronavirus hits. Let's get the let's get the live performance out there as fast as we possibly can. I, I listened to it the other day and it sounds great, but it is like listening to it like, man, I want to go to live music again. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day. I know. Hopefully it'll be safe one day because I, I, I'm definitely missing concerts at this point, especially listening to these. And then if they have yeah. a live album, and I listen to that. I'm like, man, I bet that would have been fun to be at. But that kind of brings us to the end of Shaka Khan's career to this point. Uh, so now we got to dig into our top five songs and our album picks. So Aaron, why don't you go ahead and give us your top five Shaka Khan songs? Top five Shaka Khan songs for me, they are, so I mentioned destiny is, is one of my uh, favorite albums. Um, so it's a little bit odd. Uh, all of, all of my top five songs are off of two albums and neither of them are destiny. Uh, so number five, <laughs> in spite of the fact that we made fun of it, is I Feel For You, which is uh, uh-huh. like you got that, that that overly iconic beginning. But I like the overly iconic beginning. Like it's fun. It's overly iconic for a reason. And then the song after it is really good, too. Mm-hmm. So that's my number five. Uh, number four is Clouds, which we talked about off of Naughty uh, as being this great opening track. Um, there are two other songs from Naughty, which I actually like better than Clouds. Uh, that's, that's just a really good album from start to finish. My number three is Too Much Love, also off of Naughty, which we didn't really talk about, but I think it's a fantastic song. That's a really good song. Yeah.
Uh, number two is the one that I mentioned really briefly, which is Our Love's in Danger. And then I go back to Through the Fire for my number one, just because that, that to me is the Shaka Khan song. And as much as I didn't really like her other ballads, that one holds up and it's... It's a little bit of a nostalgia trip for me, too, because that's the Shaka Khan song that I remember growing up. So I'll, I'll go back to that as my number one. Nice. Yeah, those, those are good. There's a little bit of overlap here. Uh, uh, my number five, I go, with, uh, I go with that one we played first from CK, End of a Love Affair. I think that's a good song. And mm-hmm. it it's a good sh- song, yeah. It shows to me you know, some of her jazz chops as well. My top five kind of is the whole Shaka experience, I think. <laughs> so for number four i actually for this is from i feel for you my favorite song on that album was eye to eye that was kind of a surprise favorite to me that was the one i kept humming in my head yep. and, and going back to when i was listening to that album i think that's a good one that was a good one Uh, for number three, I go to Papillon from uh, from Naughty. I still love that song. I think it has okay. a great groove. And I think uh, pl- I went and listened to the original version, and it's, believe it or not, even slightly slower than the, the Shaka version, so you really wouldn't like it. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, number two, I go uh, So Not To Worry from the album Shaka Khan. I think that song has a great groove. It's towards the end of the album, but it, it it's a it's a good song with a a great sax solo, which uh, I'm always on the lookout for. My number one is Clouds from Naughty. I think that's the best it's song. It's got to be Clouds, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So for you, Shaka Khan, this entire episode is peak as early as humanly possible. And then the entire trip through Shaka Khan in the 80s is just like this gradual descent from the top, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe slightly less dramatic than that sounds, but to a certain degree, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's a gradual descent, but at, the, you know? but at the same time, if I was going to, well, let's, uh, before we talk too much, why don't you, which one is your favorite album overall? Uh, favorite album is Destiny, uh, which is interesting because the, the fi- my top five songs are all from Naughty and I Feel For You, and those are definitely my second and third favorite albums, but for 
just the the classic Shaka Khan sound. I like start to finish. There's no one song that stands out, but I I think that holds up as as the best album just from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, believe it or not, Naughty was my number one pick for the, for the album. But my second favorite is That's actually CK. Two. So it did kind of, it wasn't a total downward trajectory because I do like CK a lot as well. Okay. Yeah. And I think if I was going to pick a third, it actually probably would be what you're going to do for me. Sorry, what cha apostrophe going to do for me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that one's still fun. It's it's more experimental than, than Naughty is, but it has, uh, I, there's not any bad songs to me on that one. There's, there's a couple that aren't as good mm-hmm. as others, but I don't dislike anything on there. But yeah, I think, yeah, just like Luther, she's a very consistent artist. And I think all of these are pretty fun listens. Uh, and I think if you can track down this uh, this little box set, the original album series, I think it's put out by Rhino. This has our first five. I mean, that's an easy one to get. And then you just have to do what I did and get Destiny and CK separately. But, uh, I mean, Shaka's got a great discography. I think it's worth digging into. I was glad we did. Yeah, for sure. Well, so next time on the show, I think it's about time we revisit an artist that we heard last season and someone that we've mentioned already today. It's Prince Time, baby. Nice. Yeah, we heard Purple Rain last season. Uh, he released, believe it or not, seven other albums during the 80s. And so we're going to hear them all. So I can't wait. I like it. So thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to Shaka Khan for the great music and for the entertaining book. And of course, as always, thank you, Aaron, for joining me. Thank you. Now, until next time, don't forget, it's never too late to discover great music that's new to you. I'll see you next time. Special thanks also to Tanya Bolden, Shaka's co-author on Shaka Through the Fire. It's a fun read that I'm sure was a lot of fun to make. We mentioned Shaka's great ear for songs to cover, which led me to rank all of her cover songs from this time period. You can check that out along with the show notes at acton.wordpress.com. acTN.wordpress.com. Follow us on Twitter at andyhearsit, facebook.com slash andyhearsit. Email me at andyhearsit at gmail.com. Rate and review the show, tell your friends, and let me know too what your favorite 80s tunes are which 80s albums I still need to hear. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next one.